Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Good morning. Uh, the reading this morning comes from Exodus chapter 34, verses 27 through 32. The Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. He was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face was shining, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke with them. After, afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he gave them in commandment, all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. That's the word of the Lord this morning. Church, let me pray for us before we sit down. Uh, so Lord, as we open your word this morning, may you open our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit. May you illuminate our minds and help us to hear and receive every promise that you have waiting for us today. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. And be seated. So in 2016, uh, the television network NBC, they put together a compilation video that was speaking to the power of how powerful it can be to stand face to face with someone. And here's how they illustrated it. They brought in a couple of parents and their grown children and they challenged them. We want you to stand in front of each other for four minutes straight and just look at each other in silence. Don't say anything and try not to break eye contact for the four minutes. And as many of you would expect, results came from four minutes of silence. I'm going to play for you the clip that came from this study. Thank you. 
<laughs> when I looked at you, it was just the day you were born. <laughs> it's like a history coming back from the time he was born till now. 어, 지금도 생각하는 게 이제 시집 가는 그 생각만 하고 있어요 사실 결혼해도 같이 살아야죠 같이 이미 넥스토어 어, 그런 생각이 좀 자식에게 더 많은 걸 해주고 싶은데 못해주는 그런 필이 항상 그런 마음이 항상 있습니다 네. I just um, think about the the amount of sacrifices that she's she's made in making my life. This exercise would not be for the faint of heart. To stand in front of someone who you love and look them in the eyes for several minutes. Attention is given. History is remembered. Connection is refreshed. Can some of you imagine if you did this for a couple minutes with someone who you deeply love? Some of you are like, yes, I can. And that's why I would not do it. <laughs> because I could not hold myself together. The beginning of the Bible tells a story where someone was brave enough to do this with God. That someone was willing to spend a meaningful moment with God, face time before God. And it's the story that you heard this morning of Moses coming to God and spending an extended amount of time staring at the one who is guiding them. Now, what makes this story so powerful is that the backstory that leads up to this moment with Moses. Everything that has happened up till Exodus 34 was a hot mess express of a story. Just to recap, just to go down memory lane for a minute. Moses is the one who God shoulder taps to say, I'm going to reveal myself to all people and I'm going to do it through the people of Israel. And Moses, I want you to lead them. And Moses like, I'm not sure I'm the person to be leading this. And God responds to Moses' anxiety with a promise. I'm going to be with you. And then he comes to the people and says, I'm going to deliver the people. And the people are in oppression. The people are in bondage. And over and over again, in the midst of the people being in bondage, this God delivers them. But then as soon as they are delivered, then they're looking for direction. And when they are confused or disoriented, this God responds by giving them direction. Cloud by day, fire by night. And then right after that, the people get hangry. They walk around and they're hungry and they're thirsty. And in response, this God provides provision. And then... The people question the nature of this God who has delivered them. 
And this God comes to them and gives them what we know as the Ten Commandments, this way to explain the nature of who God is and how to live in relationship with this God. And as Moses is receiving these commandments, the people get antsy and they build another God and they start worshiping another God, which is translation to they reject the God who has been with them all the way through. And then you find Moses walking down from the mountain and he's being like, you crazy people, I can't leave you for a moment. And Moses gets so angry himself, he actually, because the people break the commands of God, he physically breaks the commandments out of anger. God is upset. He is laying his heart out for the people. And they are not responding back to the way God's responding. And then you have Moses, who is upset with the people. And in the midst of God being upset, Moses makes this request. He asks for the heart of God to be moved. He says, Lord, don't forget your covenant. In the midst of all these poor responses, God responds by saying, I will finish what I started. Even though the people respond so poorly over and over and over again, he says, Moses, come up on the mountain a second time and receive the commands a second time. And it makes you have to wonder what in the world makes this God tick that he would keep moving forward with these people. Some of you, you can't handle being in a Starbucks line with more than five cars. You'll leave. This God doesn't leave. And why? Because when this God in Exodus 34 comes to Moses, he says this. The Lord said to Moses, write these words. For in accordance with the words that I've made a covenant with you and with Israel. The God that Moses is working with is a covenantal God. The word covenant, just coming from the word convene, would mean to bring together. Close readers of scriptures have actually said that this word in its original form in Hebrew would be close to the word of like fetter, which would mean something along the lines of binding, shackling, tying yourself to them. This God keeps responding because this God is a covenantal God. He's a God that draws near and he's a God that binds himself to humanity and will finish his purposes with humanity. And when Moses comes to refresh, to renew, to re-enter this covenant, we get a small glimpse of what it is like to be in relationship with the covenantal God that keeps extending this promise that God will keep responding to you, to you as well. This God draws near to Moses. And one of the ways Moses draws near to God is he prays and he fasts. In verse 28, he was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. And he neither ate 
bread nor drank water. In other words, he fasted and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant and the Ten Commandments. Praying and fasting is the way that Moses begins to enter into this next chapter with God. And it's not the only way Moses enters a new chapter with God. It's also the way you and I enter into a new chapter with God as well. The good news this morning is the God that Moses knows is the God who wants to continue to keep responding to you in your life. The good news is, no matter what events have happened this week, no matter how on it you have felt, or no matter how you don't feel like you've been on it this week, this God is drawing near to you. He is responding to you. And one of the ways that we respond to this God is we pray and we fast. So when we sense that we are disconnected with God, when we are disgruntled with life, when we are distracted or when we are defiant to God, one of the ways we bring ourselves back to God is through praying and fasting. When we sense it is time for us to grow with God, we pray and we fast. And this isn't just individually, but it's also communally. When the people of God are ready to be sent by God, they first pray and fast and wait for the Lord to send them. And over the next couple weeks, all I want to simply do for the month of October is I want to unpack the fundamentals of what it looks like for us individually and also communally to pray and fast, to reorient ourselves towards God and to also reorient ourselves as a church to where God may be sending us. Over the past couple of years, we have probably been just in a mode of survival. We've been in a mode of trying to reconnect. We've been trying to get into a mode of what are these new rhythms. As a church, we have spent time reconnecting. We've spent time searching and finding each other, finding our groove again. And I and a couple others do sense that a new chapter for us is coming as a church. And with this new chapter, we need to be praying and fasting and not just asking, are we surviving, but asking, where is God leading us as a church? Where is God sending us to live love in the future? And today, I just want to show from this one passage, what's one way that you can think about praying in your life? You know, a lot of times when we approach praying, uh, we think of words. We think of we're, we're throwing up some words to God, and praying does involve words. But the beautiful part of this story with Moses is that you get kind of an image, a glimpse, a picture of what prayer can also look like with words. Yes, prayer we predominantly think as petition, but it can be something in addition to the words as well. Maybe one way to think about it is like this. There was a uh, in 2022, when parents were trying to get ready to prep 
their kids to go back to school for the first time. There were these different checklists that were just coming out into the world. And moms were basically confessing. They were like, these are the checklists of things I have got to get in order with my family or my kids to be able to be ready. And one of them that was really popular was the mom's back to school list where this one mom, she went viral because she confessed, hey, like here is my checklist of things that I have to reorient my life towards now. She said, before the kids go back to school, Here's my back-to-school checklist for myself. Number one, I must double-check to see if the school clothes even fit for the kids. Checklist number two, school shoes do cause blisters, but they will do until Easter. Checklist number three, order hairdresser-type scissors and DIY guide to cutting children's feral hair. Step four, talk about snacks not being allowed all day. Step five, gentle two-week weaning off of 268 snacks a day. Number seven, practice dressing before 11 a.m. Number eight, slowly begin working YouTube out of my children's vocabulary. And then number nine, reschedule all housework until March 8th. Many times when we think about preparing for our days, praying about our days with God. We see it as this checklist that we're just chunking up to God. We're just trying to get all the words out there for anything that we may need or someone else may need in our lives. And talking is a part of this, and we will talk about that next week. But in this place with Moses, you get to see something really unique. That prayer isn't just throwing up words, but it can be a practice of presence. That prayer can simply be being still before God and letting the transformational presence of God transform you. Prayer isn't just this exchanging of sentimental words or sympathies. It's not just exchanging of words, but exchanging of hearts. It's the practice of giving face time to God. It's opening yourself up to the reality of God's transforming power. When Christianity, historically, got really popular in the world, there were groups of Christians that said, we got to get out here. We got to get out and spend time with God. And that's how you got the desert fathers and the desert mothers, that they went out and they spent long amounts of time of prayer and silence with God, trying to reorient themselves to the heart of God. And one of the things that they would say often that's been passed down. These are your brothers and sisters passing this down to you. Is they would say sometimes it's not only important what happens after you say the words to God, but also it's important what type of person arises after you spend that time of prayer with God. We're always concerned about prayer changing things. Prayer is also the conduit in which God changes us. And here's where you get to see this in Exodus 34. Moses came down from the Mount Sinai, and he came down from the mountain with the two tablets, this is the second time, the tablets of the covenant in his hand. And Moses did not know as he came down that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. We're told that after Moses spends time with God, 
Something of God's mysterious splendor and presence stays with him. Something about Moses' presence actually says he has been present with God. Now, in this story, there has been a lot of ink spilled. Because people who have tried to depict this story, like they've tried to visualize it, there's been a little bit of like a mystery that comes to actually describe it. And it mainly comes from this word radiate. Because in Hebrew, there's not very many words to actually describe. So a lot of people have been trying to grasp to be like, what did it mean for Moses' face to like glow? People have wondered like, is it like, is it like light, like, like repelling off of his face? Is it like these beams of light? The word's like very close to horns. So some people were like, are they horns? Are they horns of light? And some people, it drives them crazy. They're like, I just need to know what this actually looked like with Moses. And I'm here to say, I kind of like the mystery that we don't know what this looked like for Moses' face to radiate, to shine. I like that mystery because it's really good at describing the mystery of God's transformation for us. God's transformation cannot always be tracked in a test tube or measured in steps like your Fitbit. Oftentimes, God's transformation in your life is so hard to be able to identify, and usually we only see it on the tail end after it's happened instead of in the middle of it. I guess what I'm trying to say is God's transformation in your life, what the Spirit of God is doing in you, is hard to put words to sometimes. We trust, and we are present before God, and we trust that the Spirit of God is transforming us. So why pray? Pray Prayer is an act of faith. It's an act of trust. It's being still before God, and it's it's literally those words we just sang with the song, Waymaker. Like it is us coming before God, being still in the presence of God. And we're saying, even when I don't see you, you're working. Even when I don't feel you, I trust that you're working. And prayer is this rhythm of trust, of being still before the transforming presence of God. There's this uh, story that's very popular that's told uh, that's reflected in the life of, of one of the uh, people that Christians have looked up to for a long time. Mother Teresa, who was this nun that basically went away and gave her life to serving the poor. There, there was a story of a reporter going and finding her. And this reporter did not do any research before he talked to this woman. And he goes to talk to her and interview her. And he says, Mother Teresa, tell me what it's like when you pray with God. What, what do you say to God? And she simply looks the reporter in the eye and she goes, I don't. I don't talk. I just listen. And the reporter was like, that's deep, that's deep. Okay, let me flip it on you. What does God say to you, Mother Teresa, since you just listen? And she goes, he doesn't. He just simply listens. And the reporter 
just staring at her, just goes, so wait, wait, wait. You don't say anything to God, and you just listen, and God doesn't say anything to you, and he just listens. And she goes, exactly. And probably at that time, he was thinking, I no longer have a story (laughs) to tell. And after a moment of silence, Mother Teresa just says to the reporter, hey, here's the thing. If you don't know what I mean when I say that, I have no other words to explain to you. I trust when I enter into prayer that God is doing something, even if I'm not providing the words. Our words can only go so far in explaining what happens when you are still before God in your life. And sometimes it's very hard to see. It's even seen when Moses comes off the mountain, right? Like Moses doesn't even know that his face is shining. Other people have to point it out to Moses. It may not be on Moses' radar how he has changed, but it's definitely on the radar of other people of how they change, which is massive. I mean, that's a big statement in and of itself of God. If Moses doesn't know, it implies it's not Moses' doing, which is a great reminder for us. Is that when we open ourselves to a transforming work of God, it's not an achievement. It's not a like check mark, I got it. It's a grace. Like any transformation that comes about in your life that reflects you and the Father is a grace. It's God's work in your life. And because Moses spends this time praying, being still before God, The people received these words differently because his presence matches the words in which he's bringing. You know, we often joke, we use a phrase, I'm going to let you complete the other half of it. We tend to say this either to our kids or the ones that we're coaching or uh, to different friends in our lives. We say this phrase, we say, do as I say, not as I do. And that may be a really good joke to cover up the gaps in our lives. But it's a poor way of describing a drenched God way of life. Being still before God is how you and I close the gap between what we say and what we do. If you want to grow in your life with God, We have to be still before God and let the presence of God slowly change us. If we want to be patient with our kids in a way that our parents were not patient with us, we need to be still before the presence of God. If we want to be a good co-worker in our life, we need to be present and still before God to not give in to gossip. If we want to trust God and stay anchored when we sit in that pre-op room before the surgery, we need to be before the presence and transforming ways of God. If we want to be non-anxious in our relationships with people who are very anxious, we need to be still before the presence of God. When we spend time being still before God, it is a way of saying, God, transform me. 
if you believe in God or if you want to believe in God, spend time in stillness before God because we believe that silence is not empty. It's full of God. If you want transformation in your life, we have to carve out time to let God transform us and be still before him. If we want the people we love to encounter God, we have to spend time encountering God for ourselves. What God wants from us is God is not asking you to get your life together this week. What God wants from you is time and FaceTime and presence with you for his transforming work to be happening about you. There was a French mathematician who said, really, you can sum up all the world's problems just by this. All of humanity's problems stem from our inability to sit quietly in a room by ourselves. And this is the obstacle for us, right? Like for many of us, like we know this is something that could be in our rhythm of being still before God. There's a willingness to do it, but how in the world do we find the space to be able to do this in our lives? Especially when we struggle with an overwhelmed and overpacked and overscheduled life. There's someone I want to bring to your attention that maybe is a little bit encouraging. Her name is Susanna Wesley, and uh, she was a believer in Jesus Christ. And she knew the battle of being still with God. She shared life with God in such a way that was beautiful and also hectic. If you were to look into her life, you would find several difficulties. One, her husband could not stay out of jail. He went several times. They had numerous children. I'll give you the number, 10. Okay, some of you just passed out. She had 10 children. On top of that, she had to navigate her own medical complications in life. And on top of that, she felt like she was called by God to start a Sunday school in which not only did she start a Sunday school, but it kept growing and growing. And every week she ran a Sunday school that had 200 people that would show up and just listen to this woman. She would just, she would just pray. She would read scripture. And one of the things about Suzanne Wesley, when they would record her lives, they'd be like, you teach six hours of school a day to your kids. You give an extra hour to each kid individually, which I would have factored into having 10 kids, but that's just me. She started this own Sunday school by herself. People would always ask her, Suzanne, how do you not go mad? And one of the things she said that I thought was just so beautiful is she was like, the only thing that will sustain me is life and prayer with God. And one of the things people would document was how uniquely she would find time to pray with God. As you can imagine, with 10 kids, we've now reached the part of the sermon where there's no flash photography, by the way. <laughs> Just keeping that up. Um, With 10 kids, it would be very hard to find a place to be still and pray. And some of you say, amen. One of the things that Suzanne Wesley was known for is that she would spend prayer time with her apron. 
And she would say, if I'm in my apron, don't you dare disturb me. This is my still time before God. And what she would do is she would take her apron and she would actually, well, I tied it, so I can't actually do it now. Rookie mistake, rookie. How do you like the cupcakes, by the way? This was a Cali Ray edition here. I think this was smiting me for asking for an apron this week. She would take the apron and she would throw it over her head. And her children would know if the apron is over her mom's head, do not disturb her. And she would find this as her time of praying in her life. She would take time every day to put the apron over her head and she would actually pray and be still to God. And she would say, this is my lifesaver in life. I guess my question to you is, do you have an apron in life? Do you have a space? Do you have a moment? Do you have a time where you get still before God? Is there a time in your day where you quiet down the outward world to be in the transforming presence of God? Some of you are like, Zane, you don't even know. You should look at my calendar. Okay, let's talk about some practical aprons. What if before and after dropping the kids off from school, you sat in the parking lot of your car and you took three minutes just for silence before you moved on to your next thing. For those of you who work at home and you feel like it's a blend of things, what if before you turned on that computer, you took three minutes of silence before you did? For those of you who work out early in the mornings, what about right after you get done with that workout? What if you took three minutes of silence? All of us, need an apron in life. We need to slow ourselves down and be face to face with God. And for some of us, quite frankly, what we need to do is we, we know we need to do this. We just need to prioritize it, right? We have to prioritize it the same way that you make a priority to make coffee every morning. We need to prioritize it the same way that you schedule your life around the game that's happening. We need to take time to prioritize it even though we like set our days up around really important things. And we just need to ask ourselves, when are we being still before God? One of the things that we'll give you each week in this series is actually a phone screen that you can download and you can actually put it on the front of your home screen. We even left you some ability. It'll still show up at the time. Really nice. Um, you can actually practice this week being still before God. Now, if you want to grab one of these phone screens, we'll give you one each week, but it'll basically walk you through how you can be still or pray in a certain way. You can always go um, to our Instagram or Facebook and you can download it, or you can just go to roundrockchurch.us and you can go to the website. You can go to sermons. There's a yellow button. You can't miss it that says download the screen for this week. But my challenge for you, is to take three minutes of silence this week. Three minutes before the transforming presence of God and see what it does for you this week. So here's how we're going to end. I'm actually going to invite uh, Ken and a couple of people on worship team. Uh, we're actually going to settle in to a moment of silence. And if you've done practices before about silence and you're like, this kind of isn't a new thing for me, I'm going to actually walk us through a way you could try it out different 
this week. This would actually be one of the ways that early Christians would do this, but we're going to use a song that's familiar to us. What we're going to do is, is we're going to take a moment, and we're going to be silent before God, and we're going to sing the words, Be still and know that I am God. And we're going to pause in between each of the lyrics. So I encourage you to just close your eyes for a moment. We're going to sing this really slowly and take pauses in between. Be still and This is our prayer this week. We're going to be still before you and allow your spirit transform us. This is our prayer in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.